going to talk to you tonight. Jim specifically asked me to speak to you. I'm going to put this on you, Jim. Um, on money and giving. Aren't you excited? Just look at your neighbor and say she's really going to talk about butterflies and flowers, okay? Then you won't shut me down. I want to talk to you about money. It's very important that we have a proper understanding and relationship with money. I bet you didn't know this. I'm going to give you some facts about money. Jesus talked about a lot about money. 16, I just want you to listen. It's just a couple of sentences of facts. It's amazing. 16 of the 38 parables were concerned with how to handle money and possessions. In the Gospels, an amazing one out of 10 verses, 288 in all, deal directly with the subject of money. The Bible offers 500 verses on prayer, less than 500 on faith, but more than 2,000 verses about money. Why do you think that? Why did he talk about it so much? You can say, yell something out, you know, this, it's important to us, right? Why? We need it, right? We need it to live. We need it to eat. We need it, not only that, but we give our lives to get it, don't we? You know, working for the man every night and day. <laughs> and I never lost a minute of sleep. No, I can't sing, but anyway. <laughs> you know, we work hard. We give our life for money. And Jesus, and, and I think that it's something that we, can, that we all need to learn as believers. And the sooner we learn it, the better off we're going to be. And especially many of you coming through recovery... And I was just sitting here thinking about it. I thought, we're all coming through recovery in one way or the other. I'm recovering from being a pastor's wife for 35 years, okay? There should be a program for that. I should start one. It, there, would be waiting, there would be a waiting list, trust me. So as we're in recovery, you know, there's so many things that we're recovering from. And some of the decisions, the things that have happened in our lives that have set us back... And we want to prosper. And, I mean, I want to see you guys prosper. God wants to see you prosper in every way. Uh, in, in the New Testament, I think it was the book of John, that God wants you to prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. He wants us to be healthy. He wants us to prosper. And so he addresses money. And it's always been a sticky subject. I, you know, I, I love to teach on it, and I hate to teach on it. Because there's preconceived ideas, immediately people put up walls, you want my money, you know. And I mean, I've been in the church now almost 50 years, so I'm over that. We, this is such a principle of God that will set you free and prosper you in your life. And as we've had different ones come through our programs, men and women that have got a hold of this and began to give into the kingdom of God and give um, liberally to others and help. Like even, you know, this was a perfect example, coming up here and giving to help our brother um, go up to see his brother. As, we, as the, those that have applied that, I've seen them get their own businesses, get promotions on the job, 
get their own homes. I mean, just crazy. And I could name them. I could name them sitting in here. And I'm sure there's many more that I don't know your names. But so I'm going to talk to you tonight about money and giving. Now, two scriptures that come to our mind right away, I think, that Jesus said was, number one, he said, you can't love, you can't serve God and money because you will love the one and hate the other. And, you know, so that tells me it's, it's a big deal to get our relationship right with money. It's really hard to let go of it when, when it's our master. It's the master. So we either own our money or it owns us. And when we're serving it, it is a miserable place. But when we understand that money, although it buys us everything we need, we think, I mean, it does, but really God is really our source, isn't he? God is really our provider. It's not that weekly paycheck. God wants to go beyond your weekly paycheck. I've seen him do it over and over and over again in my life where I've given liberally out of what I had and thought, why am I doing this? God spoke to me. I'm doing this. I'm not going to, I won't be able to pay these bills. And God comes up with some crazy way of blessing me, blessing my family that I totally know is the Lord. And it enriches my relationship with God and my faith. Our faith is so enriched by how we handle our money. Half of your faith will be built in that way. Because it's a big deal. Your money is a big deal. Jesus also said, I forget the other one. That's what happens when you get old. Um, oh, in 1 Timothy 6.10, for, we know this scripture we quote all the time. Oh, the money is the root of all evil. But that's a misquote. It's not money that's the root of all evil. It's the love of money that is the root of all evil. When we love money, it causes us to do all sorts of evil things and dumb things. And I'll give you an example. Years ago, we had bought a house to start Harvest House. Oh, thank you. I'll start giving them to you. Um, the first house we bought, uh, it was on North Royal Palm Avenue. And our first client was Jim McLeod, if anybody remembers Jim. And uh, as many years ago in the 80s. And as Harvest House grew, we were a storefront church, so we couldn't get a bank to lend us money. So my husband and I borrowed money on our own home to start different, to buy different houses to start Harvest House. And so... When it, this house was too small, we sold it. And we made $14,000 on it. This was in the 80s. That was a lot of money. It's a lot of money now. Let me tell you, I was young, and I was learning my way in, the, in spiritual principles, because I'm teaching you tonight a spiritual principle. And we, I put that money in the bank, I, and I paid my tithe on it, and I gave an offering. And I was so worried about that money. I never had that much money. I was so worried about that money in the bank. I thought about it all the time. And when something happened, we had to put a roof on a part of our house. I'm like, 
that's $5,000 gone. Now there's only going to be whatever was left, 7000 or whatever. I worried about it. and fret. I laid awake at night and thought about that because I wanted to hold on to it. It controlled me. When it was finally gone, I was relieved. I'm like, okay, good. I don't have to worry about that anymore. But if we don't have a right relationship with money, this is what happens. We're either always worried about getting it or we're always worried about losing it. And that's what happens if we don't have that right relationship. And that's why God wants us to be givers because he wants to get involved in our finances. And that's how he does it. I could teach I can teach the Bible from Genesis to Revelation on giving and how God wants us to be cheerful givers, but I only have about 20 more minutes. So I'm not going to do that. But I'm going to put you all to sleep probably. Um, so, you know, so often when we come to the Lord, we're desperate. I mean, nine times out of ten, we're pretty desperate, right? We come to him. He saves us. He delivers us. He begins to restore things in our lives. But, but a lot of times we want to turn enough for forgiveness and entrance into the king into heaven but we don't quite want to turn enough to get into kingdom living and that's a supernatural life and we find the supernatural life when we give it all when we give it all and I'm not just talking about your money right now but when we give it all when we give our life away Jesus said over and over you know what you got to deny yourself and follow me. You got to. He said to the rich man, "Sell everything you have and follow me." You know, and the guy was like, "I can't do that," and he walked away. Jesus is always challenging us: How much will you give? You know, he sat at the treasury by the temple when the people brought their their tithes into the temple. I thought that's. I think it's interesting. He does watch, and he. Um, he called his disciples over to him, and he said, you see that woman over there, that widow? She just put in a couple pennies. But the, the rich people or those that are affluent, they're, you know, they're throwing in lots of money. But he said, she gave everything she had. It was only a couple pennies, but she gave it all. Because God is always looking for us to grow and to be liberal people to give it all. And then when we give it all, when we give him our life, and let me tell you, it's not for pansies. Okay? It's not. Let me tell you something. It is an adventure to serve God like this. It's an adventure to get out there on the edge because that's where he lives. God lives on the edge. He doesn't live in the nice, comfortable place. He's always, Jesus is always challenging always pushing against religion, pushing against the Pharisees, asking questions. And that's the kind of life that we want to live, full of God and fully given to God. And when we're in that condition, it's easy to walk out these principles. Well, not easy maybe, but it's easier. We learn how to walk out these principles of being liberal people. We're here tonight because somebody gave. 
You're sitting here tonight. I'm here tonight because somebody gave. Somebody gave their life. Somebody gave their time. Somebody gave prayer. Somebody gave their money. Somebody gave their money to pay for this air conditioning in here. It just doesn't, we don't pick it off that nice oak tree out there. Somebody gave it. And when you're a baby and, and a toddler, you receive all the time. We're giving them food. We're giving them the bottle. We're changing their diaper. We're teaching them this. We're teaching them. But as that child grows, they're required to give and give back. And so as we grow in the Lord, the spiritual principle that is one of the most important that you can get is to be a giver. And, you know, it, it can make, you can be afraid. I've been afraid to give. It's a fearful thing when you look at this column of what's coming in. I did it many times. We had five kids planted this church here. We, we didn't have a pot or a window at the beginning. And you know all what that means, right? <laughs> you got to be from the country, you know, pot, pot to pee in or a window to throw it out of. Okay. So one column, and, and then what had to go out, it never added up. It never added up. And it was a challenge to give, but I always did. I always gave of my tithes, my first fruits. It's a principle of God all through the Bible. It's a principle, first fruits. Cain and Abel was first fruits. Did you know that? Oh, yes. Cain, Abel brought to God the first fruits of his produce that he grew. But Cain, no, sorry. Abel brought the firstlings of his flock. But Cain brought the produce from the ground, it says, at the end of the season. He brought what was left over. And God was not pleased with it. He wouldn't take it. And everybody, I grew up with people teaching, oh, it was because Abel had a blood offering. They didn't know nothing about offer blood sacrifices back then. It was the fact that, Cain, that Abel honored God because he brought the first fruits. And when we bring our first fruits to God, I mean, from the time I, I was a teenager and I learned the principle of tithing and giving, the first check I wrote when I got my paycheck was my tithe check. That's what I wrote. And, and I put it aside. If I got paid on Wednesday and that church wasn't until Sunday, I wrote that check and I put it aside because I believed it. And God kept meeting me in miraculous ways as I gave to him. You don't have to do it. You'll still go to heaven. And we don't need your money because you're not our source. God is. Honey, I've been here 33 years, and he's never failed us. Never. Never, never, never. We've had people come and go, get mad, leave. Come back. Come back. <laughs> Because God is in our source. You need to learn this for you. So you can prosper. So you get God involved in your finances. Is that okay? Is that good? All right. So 
God is a giver. You know, God so loved the world that he what? That he gave. So I taught this a couple years ago. We give because we love. God gave because he loved. You gave tonight to Jim because you love him and because you love God. And this wasn't planned, so John didn't even know what I was preaching on. But God so loved the world that he gave. And how many of you know that you're the seed of Abraham? Did you know that? You don't have to be of Jewish lineage to be the seed of Abraham anymore. The scripture teaches us that when we come to Christ, we are grafted in. We are not just the spiritual children. We are the seed of Abraham. And I could give you the scriptures, but it's in there. Trust me. And God said to Abraham, he made a great covenant with Abraham, Genesis 12 and verse 2. And he said, Abraham, I am going to bless you. I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make you a blessing. And that is the reason that we get blessed. We think we get blessed because God thinks we're awesome. You know, you're his favorite one. You know it. You are. I know you are. You're his favorite one. And he wants to bless you. Of course, he wants to bless you. But more importantly, he wants to make us a blessing. And so it's like getting a, a ball rolling. You know, you can kind of stay in the same rut of holding on tight and not being liberal because of fear. I'm not, and I'm not fine. I don't want to make anybody uncomfortable find fault. I know what it's like. I've walked this journey. It's a, it's a learning process that we go through. But when we hold on tight, the scripture says we decrease when we try and hold on. But when we, when we give it and we're liberal, we begin to expand and, and, and increase. And it just gets the ball rolling. Out. It, it's, like, it's just like getting the ball rolling. It's like you give extravagantly something God speaks to your heart. You feel like, I need to do that. Or you're being obedient, giving your tithes into the church. And then God does something miraculously to meet your need. Or some kind of wild favor that happens over your life. And you're like, that's awesome. Now, I'm not saying that you're never going to be lean. Because that happens. But we learn in those times. But God has never, ever, ever, ever failed to provide for his children. When you take God at his word and you begin to give, and he's so good with us, he's so patient with us, and he leads us and teaches us. And as we begin to do that and we get the ball rolling, it's like one thing after another after another until it's such an adventure and God proves himself in your life. I have so many stories I could tell you. I'm going to tell you one big one, but I have so many stories to tell of how God provided miraculously for us. Um, let me just make sure I don't have another scripture before I tell this story, and then I'm going to let you go. Um, okay. So God did so many miracles, us coming here and having bunch of kids and no money, etc. And one thing after another, 
everything was a miracle. Everything was a miracle. Every day was a miracle. And so when we decided to move the men's program out of the little house that it was in, we we borrowed more money on our house. It was a couple, it was a, can't remember exactly how it went chronologically, but it was in 1992. And so we, we borrowed money on our house. We had um, kids with needs. We had five kids that we needed to put through college and braces and I should tell that story. Maybe I have time for two, it's 10 to eight. Anyway, we, remind me, braces. Um, <laughs> it is. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So we buy this house on 15th Street and, you know, for our men, and we don't have any money to fix it up. And so we're praying, Lord, we can't put these guys in here. This place needs work. The church doesn't have money. We don't have money. Nobody has money. And there was a fireplace in there. And we said to the guys, don't use the fireplace. We have no idea what condition this is in. What happened? They used the fireplace. Of course they did. And there was a fire. It went through to the walls. The house burned. We got $38,000 in insurance money. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yep. So we had these amazing guys in Harvest House. They were painters. They were carpenters. All So they're working. We're paying them to fix the house. When they were done and the 38000 was spent, we had this gorgeous home for the guys to be in. So, so the guys were in there for almost 20 years. And, you know, we did, of course, we took, tried to take care of it. But 20 years, with a bunch of guys is really going to beat a place up. And so we were building the new campus down at Mango in uh, 21st, 22nd Street. And we wanted to sell the house in 15th Street because the market was high. It was 2007, 2006. We could have made a lot of money, but we couldn't move the guys out until the campus, the buildings were ready that we were building, a couple of them. And so we're waiting, we're waiting. You know, we would never move them out, of course. So finally, the campus is ready. Every, the whole real estate market crashes. We move the guys into the thing, and now our property's not worth, the land it's on, I mean, it's worth nothing. So we're like, okay, Lord, now what are we going to do? The place is a wreck. We still don't have any money. <laughs> church doesn't have any money. We don't have, nobody has any money. Of course, it's not the church's burden now. So this woman comes along, and she tells us, we want to make, we want to have a secular program, recovery program, me and my partner from Long Island are going to come in here. We're going to buy this, and we're going to fix it up. And, uh, and I'm like, great. Hallelujah. What do you want to buy it for? You know, and she said a halfway decent price for the market at the time. So she puts $50,000 down on the property. And they don't have a mortgage yet. And we're like, okay, you know, these are the terms. We're tying up this house for six months while you work on it, so this is $50,000 down. It's not refundable. Yeah, yeah, I know. They had plenty of money from the Hamptons. And, uh, yeah, so, so they're working on it. They put $100,000 into 15th Street, $100,000, getting it ready. My husband and I were on a mission trip in the Philippines, and we got a phone call. 
And they said, this woman and her partner got in a big fight. It's all over. They don't want the property. They walked away from it. Let me tell you something. You couldn't, you couldn't plan that. You couldn't, you couldn't. It's crazy. That's just one story that God, God gave so much more back. And then he gave me $50,000 cash that I could take a nice chunk of it and give it to the church. Why? Because... God wants to bless us, but he wants to make us a blessing. And I'll tell you the last story. This one isn't a big $150,000 story, okay? This is a real normal down-to-earth story. John needed braces. And, I mean, he needed them bad. He has a little tiny mouth and way too many teeth in there. So they're going in every direction. So we're like, okay, we got to get this kid braced. So I take him to an orthodontist, and it's going to be $3,000. They want 20% down. I mean, you might as well have said, you know, $50,000. I didn't have $600. So we're praying. I'm like, okay, Lord, I need $600 because they'd get, let us do a monthly payment. We figured we could swing that. So I need $600, God. Nothing, nothing. So... One day, my husband was coaching soccer, and he's driving this old station wagon. And I think it was Aaron, or one of them, Aaron. And they're at a soccer game. They're over on the field, and the fire trucks come. And the fire trucks are roaring down the road, and, and they're t- tearing into the parking lot. And, and they're like, what? Something's on fire. There's a car on fire. And they go, oh, my, there's a car on fire. I think that's my car, my husband said. Sure enough, the thing caught on fire, burned up right there in the parking lot. So, so yes, so we're like, oh, God, what else could happen? So we call the insurance company, the adjuster comes out, blah, 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 blah. They gave us a check for $600. (laughs) This is why he's beautiful today. Smile, John. And then he said, well, what do you do for a car? Somebody came along, gave us some old car that was a little bit better shape than the station wagon was. And I have to tell you that about three months later, my husband gave it away to some lady that was in worse condition than we were. Why? Because God blesses us, but he wants to make us a blessing. So I just uh, challenge you tonight. It's a big deal. Your money is a big deal. And first we have to work out our relationship with our money almost before we have to work out our relationship with God and our money. And we have to understand um, not to hold on to it, but to be liberal with it and to to give into your church and to give um, offerings and to missions alms for the poor. I mean, we have developed a lifestyle of giving. That's what we do. And we can't outgive God. The more we give to him, the more he pours back into us. And all of our kids, 
are college graduates, postgraduate, our oldest is a PhD, they've all no student loans. Um, the blessing of God, you know, is long term. The government of God grinds slow but sure. His principles you can take to the bank. My pastor always used to say, God might not always pay on Friday, but he always pays. He'll be no man's debtor. And as we give to him over the years, sometimes it's the next day and sometimes it's 25 years down the line. But God remembers and he watches over the seed that we sow. What good would a farmer be if he just stuck the seed in his closet? The more liberal he sows, the greater harvest he has. Amen.